0: Hello, hello, welcome to week 23 of Is It Worth It? The film review podcast where we go out of our way to try and see all the films in the cinema, even the bad ones, so you don't have to. His name's David Long and he is still Craig Fields. David, what have we got coming up on this week's show? Well, Craig, we will be kicking off this week's show by reviewing
1: Bohemian Rhapsody starring Rami Malek, Lucy Boynton, Gwilynn Lee, Ben Hardy
0: and Joseph Mazzello. I'll be taking a look at Goosebumps 2 Haunted Halloween, starring Wendy McLendo-Covey, Madison Eisman, Jeremy Ray Taylor, and also Jack Black.
1: Again. Uh, continuing the Halloween theme, I'll be looking, uh, we'll both be looking at Halloween, starring Jamie Lee Curtis, Judy Greer, and Andy Matichak. I'll be
0: taking a look at Widows, starring Viola Davis, Michelle Rodriguez, Elizabeth Debicki, Liam Neeson, and Colin Farrell.
1: After that, we have Jerry... uh, Jerry? (laughs) Who's Jerry? We have... uh, It's it's how unforgettable his acting is. We have Gerard Butler and Gary Oldman, and they are in Hunter Killer, and I will be examining this interesting
0: film. In how much detail? Reasonable amount. Minute? Reasonable amount of detail. (laughs) Quite a bit of detail. And we'll finally finish the show with The Nutcracker and The Four Realms, starring Mackenzie Foy, Keira Knightley, Morgan Freeman, and Helen Mirren. So that's uh, our show for this week with the films that we've got. How are you, David? It's been a while.
1: Yeah, it's good to be here. Uh, I'm very bald, um, both on top uh, and also my... <laughs> where, where are you going with this? <laughs> no, 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 no. no. Uh, on top of the head and the beard. The beard is gone, so I actually do look like an egg. Um, the beard went uh, just so I could moisturise my face, give it a bit of breathing before I grow in my winter coat. Um <laughs> So quite a few people, including the local shopkeeper, didn't actually recognise me this morning. Got quite a shock when he saw me. Um, I mean, you
0: sent me pictures the day that you shaved and you, you did look like a 12-year-old boy. Yeah. Uh,
1: I've I, So it's I'm a weird mix of like a 60-year-old man and a baby. So I have really young facial features, but then a really balding head. So I just look like a giant walking
0: baby with a bald head. <laughs> um I mean I did ask you to get rid of the eyebrows as well. That would complete Well the look no, I
1: I card. don't I don't think so. I'll tell you what I did do though when mm. when I shaved, I took the beard off, I left the mustache on, it looked pretty cool. I did that as well. It looked pretty epic. I looked like something out of an eighties I won't say what, but um <laughs> <laughs> a cop drama. We'll go cop drama. Um but yeah uh, the mustache isn't a look that I'll be rocking in public. Um obviously It's great to be back. We're both going away. I'm going away in a couple of weeks to Spain to get a suntan, whereas Craig's doing something much more uh, worthy. Uh, Craig, share a little bit about it.
0: Yeah, well, I mentioned briefly on last week's show that I am going to Nepal. I'm shooting a documentary out there following some fundraisers who, for the last year, have been fundraising. um, And all this money is going towards the Paha Trust charity. And this charity helps build and repair... Uh, hostels and schools for deaf children Mm. and uh, the guys that we're going with we're going to be following their journey to see where their money is going uh, and 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 what gets done with it essentially um it's going to be a real interesting um adventure i'd say yeah it sounds sounds great um do you think can we put something in the in the bio maybe a link to one of the pages or yeah yeah i can i'll put i'll put a link into the uh instagram page and facebook page and if you guys want to Follow our journey, you can, by uh, liking and uh, following us on those pages.
1: Yeah, so a great cause, and uh, Craig will be away for a couple of weeks, like I said, doing charity work. I'll be away lying on a beach in Spain. But uh, <laughs> So that's th- that shows the difference in character between us two. Um, Craig... uh,
0: that's not true. You're doing a-
1: do charity work as well. <laughs> uh, well do I? <laughs> <laughs> uh, sort of, sort of. Yeah, um, anyway, let's kick off the show in our usual way with the box office rundown.
0: This is the Box Office Rundown,
1: brought to you by Is It Worth It, the film review podcast.
0: Yes, that's right. It's the Box Office Rundown for the weekend of October 26th to the 28th, 2018. David, why don't you kick us off at number 10? So at number 10, we have a bit of a surprise. It's Hotel Transylvania 3, Summer Vacation.
1: it's been half term recently. So they've put this film back out in the cinemas uh, and families have gone to see it. It took 0.2 million pounds at the weekend, uh, 19.8 million all in all. And it has been in and around the box office for 14 weeks. I'll be honest. I thought this was a pretty poor film. Um, I think, you know, the the first one was, was very good. I enjoyed it. The second one wasn't great. And and I thought this was a a step backwards, really. Um, I think there's better things that could have come back out. I mean, I'd love to have seen the Incredibles re-released, Um, But, you know, um, if people enjoy it, they enjoy it. So
0: if you have seen that film, I hope you did enjoy it. But for me, it, it was pretty bad. wasn't worth it for you, was it? No. Uh, in at number nine we have first man uh that took three hundred thousand pounds at the weekend it's grossed six point eight million pounds and it's been in the box office for three weeks. This has been struggling hasn't it mm.
1: yeah so go back you know four to six weeks this was the film that everyone was talking about along with the star is born uh it was favorite for best Picture there was a lot of anticipation for it uh and it and it's somewhat flopped and the reason it's flopped is it's from a critical perspective, it's a masterpiece. There's no doubt. But from a film goer perspective,
0: <laughs> yes. <Yeah>. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Thank you. My mind went blank. From a film goer's uh, perspective, it's it's a hard watch. It's very difficult. You know, it's really heavy. It's quite
0: sad. Um, It's not the feel-good space drama that many people thought it was going to be. Yeah, Um, A lot of people went in thinking it was going to be one thing, came out feeling quite um, misled in some regards. You know,
1: it is is a biopic. It's a gritty, heavy analysis of Neil Armstrong and what he was like. Uh, I think Ryan Gosling's superb, Claire Foy is superb, Damien Chazelle's directed a wonderful film uh, that, you know, critically you could talk about for hours, but... Even for myself, who was so excited for it, you come out feeling overwhelmed and totally underwhelmed at yeah. the same time. It's a film that is going to struggle in the box office, but it is a film that the Academy may very much like nonetheless. So we'll have to see how it fares at the Oscars because it will be nominated for quite mm-hmm. a few
0: awards. I, I Well, certainly cinematography. I have a, yeah. a great feeling for that. Um, David, number eight. So above that, at eight, we have Johnny English Strikes Again. It took £0.8 million
1: at the weekend. It's taken £13.4 million all in all, uh, and I really enjoyed this film. Uh, the first half was substantially better than the second half, but all in all, I thought it was quite a good, light-hearted piece of comedy. Uh, my audience loved
0: it. Uh, Craig wasn't, wasn't such a big fan. No, I wasn't so keen on this one at all. I, I definitely said that it wasn't worth it. What's the matter? Is that recording? Yeah, it's recording. Good. You can see the sound waves. <laughs> I, <laughs> I was know. worried that we hadn't turned it on again. It looked, it, the, the sound waves look relatively different on, on, on that screen, but it doesn't matter. Um, yeah, I know I didn't enjoy Johnny English um, at all. I, I, the first one I loved, but it's just slowly, the series or the trilogy has slowly declined in quality over the years.
1: Yeah. Um, I mean, I thought it was better, better than the second one, but I will say I think they should leave it now. I, there's, there's no need for a, a fourth. I agree with you on that. (laughs) So we're in agreement. Uh, Above that, at what would be number seven, it's Halloween. Is Halloween. We will be reviewing that on today's show. It stars Jamie Lee Curtis. It's taken £0.8 million at the weekend, £4.8 million all in all over the two weeks that it's been in the box office.
0: Oh, yeah, sorry. I'm looking at the wrong figures, and I was going, what is he talking about? No, you're absolutely right. £4.8 million in box for two weeks. Uh, what's number? So it's number six next, isn't it? Number six is Venom. Wow, why is it number six?
1: You know, a lot of people are still going to see this film. As you can see, it's taken naught point nine million at the weekend, eighteen point eight million overall. So four
0: weeks in the box office. So it's
1: taken three times
0: the amount that First Man's taken, and is a, a, a nothing in comparison to First Man. It, yeah. it, Venom is is a terrible in comparison. Mm.
1: It's a, such a shame. I know you really, really didn't like this film. I, I thought it was pretty poor. Um, the best part of the film was sort of the last 10, 15 minutes, most of which was actually in the trailer, uh, which sort of tells you everything you need to know. Mm. I think it set itself up, if they're going to do another one, for a film that could potentially have something. This just didn't have a lot. It, it was very loud, very almost too fast, had a, a love story that seemed pointless. Uh, and Tom Hardy is always brilliant, but I think even he struggled with the pretty diabolical script he was given for this film.
0: Yeah, I I agree with that. Uh, so what have we got next, David? It's number five.
1: Above that at number five, we have The Hate You Give. Uh, this took £0.9 million at the weekend, and it came out of the weekend. Me and Craig saw this early in a City World Unlimited screening, uh, and we reviewed it, I believe, on last week's show, or the, sh- the week before. Um, I thought this was a great film. Um, it had an immensely powerful opening, an opening scene that captivated me. The following 30 minutes wasn't great and actually was the worst bit of the film, but the opening scene really caught me. And the rest of the film, it's definitely flawed, um, but I thought the the acting uh, was
0: was brilliant and I thought it was a very powerful film and I would definitely recommend going to see The Hate mm. You Give. It has, doesn't look like it's had a good opening weekend, to be honest. I mean, it's taken just under a million pounds at the weekend, which... Mm. I mean, actually, on par it's on par with Venom yeah. um, in that sense. But I would have liked to have seen it actually got a much better o- mm. opening weekend because it's definitely a poignant film to wo- go but and see. You, you enjoyed this as well, yeah? Didn't yeah, you? I really enjoyed this film, yeah. Um, next in at number four, Goosebumps 2, Haunted Halloween. Going to be reviewing this on this week's show. It's taken 1.4 million pounds at the weekend, five million pounds overall, and it's been in the box office for two weeks. Above that, at number three, we have Smallfoot. It
1: took a uh, uh, 1.6 million at the weekend. It's taken 7.7 million overall, which is pretty impressive. Uh, it's been in the box office for three weeks. And look, this is uh, a nice family film. It's nothing special. Um, I don't think it's you know
0: anything that's going to change. <clears throat> Good lord, my voice. What on earth's happening there? I think it's, we're doing this quite late. Maybe you need uh, <coughs> a drink, a cup of tea, a excuse, cup of cocoa.
1: Excuse me. Um, yeah, I don't think it's a film that's going to sort of linger in anyone's mind for a long time.
0: But nonetheless, it's doing quite well in the box office. And number two is A Star Is Born. Mm. Take £2.2 million at the weekend. It's grossed £19.2 million overall. And it's been in the box office for four weeks. Mm. And, uh, yeah, I mean, we really love this film.
1: Yeah, so uh, I've seen this film three times now. We've got quite a few emails today. I think we've got two or three emails about this film that we're probably going to read out uh, after the box office rundown. Look, for a directorial debut from Bradley Cooper, this is an absolute masterpiece. He's brilliant. Lady Gaga, we all know she can sing, whether you like her music or not. Her, her, Her talent is undisputable. But her acting in this is what what blew me away. Phenomenal acting from her, um, from Bradley Cooper, a soundtrack that everyone I've spoken to that's seen the film goes and listens to again and again and again because it's brilliant. Um, And I'll be honest, I've seen it three times and each time I've tried to book it, I've had to book a different showing because it is still selling out. Um, It's a real film, honestly made, hard-hitting, much better than that nonsense, uh, The Greatest Showman. uh, (laughs) I completely agree. They're going to make a Greatest Showman 2, The Thieves. Um, (laughs) Not more. Um, Unfortunately. Yeah, this is a real film. This is an honest film, and this is the film that I want to win Best Picture.
0: (laughs) And the one that I've been saying is going to win Best Picture. Yeah,
1: when I was very beginning, (laughs) when I was raving about First Man, Um, yeah, Star is Born
0: is currently favourite, and rightly so. Yeah. Should we do the emails or should we for for this for this for that for that uh, film let's do the emails for that and then we'll go into what is number 1. Okay. Should we do that? Yeah, let's do that. Okay. So, we have an email from Danielle. Uh, Danielle says, "Hi guys." Uh, so, Craig, I said I'd write a review for this film, so here it is. Despite being a remake of a Hollywood iconic storyline, I hadn't seen any of the three versions before this, nor heard about them. So, was going into this film with no preconceived ideas or expectations. I'm a fan of films uh, with a storyline being told alongside music. My, la- my latest favorite being The Greatest Showman, uh, which I didn't think oh. this was, <laughs> which I didn't think this would be able to top. What? How oh, I know? However, this film evoked a range of emotions throughout, sending you on a gripping roller coaster from start to finish. Although I was pleasantly surprised with Bradley Cooper's amazing singing talent portraying a famous country rock singer who is falling to rock bottom, fueled by drugs and booze, it is the casting of Lady Gaga where her known, lavish, elaborate costumes and stagecraft have been stripped away, making her as an actress and. Uh, as an actress, and by her gentle nature, that she is somebody who is truly becoming a star. Definitely worth seeing. In fact, I downloaded the soundtrack immediately after seeing the film, Told and you. I will be going to watch it again. Told now. you. Now, that, that, that hits the nail on the head, really, doesn't it? This is the consensus, I think. You know, um, the,
1: the amount of people that I've heard saying, oh, I hope it's better than The Greatest Showman, it's like you're comparing burger and steak. <laughs> you, you really are. So The Greatest Showman is a burger. Mm, delicious, you know, for some people. But it is ultimately a burger. You know, cheap meat cut up and put into a patty. Whereas this is prime, you know, sirloin. This is... Rump. This is filet mignon. This is
0: this is a quality film. You I, know, I do like these meat analogies that you come. No, up with. No, it is every it's, it's true. You know,
1: Greatest Showman is is a burger, and A Star Is Born is a steak. Um, we have another email which comes from uh, Kim Hobbs, and he says, "Hi, David and Craig. Thanks for the recommendation to go and see A Star Is Born. I am rarely as surprised at the effect a film had on me as was in this case. I frequently reach uh, for the soundtrack on Spotify and sing hum tunelessly." along as only in a man in his 50s can, i.e. badly but in full voice. Uh, I am not proud of my prejudice, but I admit that Lady Gaga's pop image of an overmade woman who typically sings what I consider to be lightweight, unimaginative music always left me cold. I wasn't therefore expecting much, despite your positive comments. Uh, I know such views may draw some reaction. Sorry, just being honest. Always be honest." Anyway, clearly I misjudged Lady Gaga and indeed Bradley Cooper for that matter. What musicianship Uh, in the case of Miss Gaga in particular. What a voice and what a songwriter. I was blown away and quite moved by the whole film. Before I go too far into superlatives, my wife and I both commented it's about 15 minutes too long. A case of needing more rigorous editing, maybe. We both wanted the inevitable climax in the story to happen and for it to come to a satisfying close. In fact, after the short meandering bit, the film did conclude perfectly and the ending was moving and also surprising in how it was achieved. Great movie, not to be missed. Keep up the great work. Kim. Um, I I know Kim and he's not the kind of man that often recommends things. He's, you know... Um, he's not going to go out of his way to recommend a film, but he has been recommending this to people, uh, and he's mentioned it to me a number of times, and I know he, he, he really does enjoy the soundtrack, and he's right, you know, it's a brilliant soundtrack. Thank you for both those emails on A Star Is Born. Um, really good. Both
0: will be getting some tickets. Yes. Oh, you forget about that? Well, no, I had. <laughs>
1: well, brilliant news um, for those emailers. Uh, moving swiftly on, uh, at the top of the pile, number one. Bohemian Rhapsody. It is. Um, It grows £9.7 million at the weekend. It grows £9.7 million all in all. And I'm literally going to say nothing about it because we are about to review it. So, the full box office rundown. From the bottom, at number 10, we have Hotel Transylvania 3, Summer Vacation. At 9, it's First Man. 8, Johnny English Strikes Again. At 7, Halloween... At six, Venom. Five, The Hate You Give. Four, Goosebumps 2. Haunted Halloween. At three, Smallfoot. At two, A Star Is Born. And two free tickets to our emailers. Thought I'd plug that. And at the top of the pile, Bohemian Rhapsody. Scaramouche, Scaramouche. Will you do the Fandango? Thunderbolt and Nightly.
2: Very, very. You're listening to Is It Worth It? The Film Review Podcast. Both Craig and David are Cineworld Unlimited cardholders. For just £17.90 a month, see any film, any time, as many times as you like. Enjoy 10% off snacks and drinks, exclusive preview screenings of upcoming releases, and Unlimited customers can now enjoy 25% off food and drink at Café Rouge, Bella Italia, Las Iguanas, La Tasca, and Belga. The Oscars are fastly approaching, and there's no better time to become unlimited. With films like First Man, a Star Is Born, Venom, and Aquaman, now is a good time to join. And you can get £10 off your first month subscription. Just use the code. Is It's worth it? That's all one word.
0: It's now time for our first review of week 23 and it's Bohemian Rhapsody. And Bohemian Rhapsody tells the story of the rise of the rock band Legends Queen from their humble beginnings in the 1970s right through to their Live a performance at Wembley in 1985 and everything in between the good times and some of the bad. The main focus of the film shifts to Rami Malek's Freddie Mercury, which carries the uh, the story forwards. Is this a genuine biopic or a homage to the band and its leading man? Freddie Mercury, David, kick us off with what you thought of the film. Okay, so
1: uh, I saw this film last week. Uh, I saw it in IMAX, uh, and I'll start by saying I really enjoyed it um, from a personal perspective. Uh, I particularly enjoyed it in IMAX. You know, the sound quality in IMAX is is fabulous, and for a, for a film like this, you know, I think IMAX is is the way forward. Um, in terms of our question, is this a genuine biopic? Um, the simple answer to that is no, um, and I. So I went into this film uh, I've just said to you sort of off off air that you know I like Queen I love their music when it comes on you know I know some of the lyrics mm. but you know I don't know a lot about the band where they came from um before the film I wouldn't actually have been able to name anyone apart from Freddie Mercury so I went in not knowing anything of their story so I found it quite engaging but throughout the whole thing I was thinking well how much of this is genuinely true and Today we've discussed how much of it is true, and it seems like actually a lot of this film has been twisted and manipulated, and dates changed, and then news changed, and things manoeuvred in a certain way to lead the audience down a certain path. Now, whilst that in some ways is effective because it will, you know, audiences will enjoy it, and and people will go to this, and it is fundamentally a feel good film it means that from, from sort of a critical perspective, it's flawed because it's not really a biopic. You know, if anything, First Man shows you what a biopic should be. Honest, real, uh, an analysis of the person. Yep. And ultimately, it may suffer at the box office for that if you're going to make a real biopic. This seems to have made the film that people wanted to see, not necessarily um, the film that people needed to see. Uh, and I'll touch upon
0: that a little bit more yeah. in a while my my thoughts on the film when i came out i was i i really enjoyed the film as as did you um and i was entertained however i i knew a little bit more about this film uh, in terms of of queen's background and and i did walk out thinking this doesn't feel right there is something mm. very off here and and the person i went to the cinema with um you know she raved about it she really loved it and really wanted to to make me love it as well mm. but i just i kept i kept saying i loved it but i I I can see the flaws in the film. And I felt it, it felt pedestrian. Mm. It felt a little bit weak in, in certain areas. Now the, the parts where I want to praise is Rami Malek. Mm. Now his performance in this film is absolutely superb. He embodies Freddie Mercury to the point where it's just ridiculously good. Mm. Um, but then like we've just said, we've researched some bits and pieces and, and we've discovered that Rami Malek doesn't sing in this film Mm. it's it's more of an amalgamation of his voice his voice with uh, a guy called Mark Mattel Now, Mark Mattel I I saw this video many years ago of him um auditioning to be in a Queen tribute band and he posted it on YouTube and it went viral because he his voice is Freddie Mercury and that is mainly the voice that you hear in this film Mm. a mixture of his voice Freddie Mercury's voice and a little bit of Rami Malek's voice as well but when you found that out when i told you that mm. you were you were really taken aback by that you 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 kind of almost felt like you you view his performance in a very different way
1: yeah so i mean i was disappointed to to hear that he wasn't singing i assumed i mean when 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 i was watching i didn't think he was singing live but i assumed they'd recorded it and possibly obviously auto-tuned it etc i didn't realize they'd literally just mashed you know another man's voice in with his and basically you know c us in a way.
2: Hmm.
1: Um so so that was upsetting. Um I mean in, in terms of the film itself, you know, Rami Malik is sensational. Um you know his mannerisms and his portrayal of Freddie Mercury is is great off the stage, but it's when he's on the stage that he really comes to life. The way he moves the microphone, the way his body moves, the way he interacts with the audience, you know, it's it's actually quite scary how real he is. And, you know, I think he deserves credit for that. And I think, you know, he's this sort of fabulous, flamboyant character. And, you know, you again, it's almost a little bit like, um, uh, you know, um, Darkest Hour with Gary Oldman, where it was just the Gary Oldman show. And you felt sorry for the other actors. I felt a bit sorry for some of the other actors in this because, you know. Freddie, you know, Freddie Mercury is the lead man and it's got a a lead performance that is absolutely brilliant. You know, I did enjoy the portrayal of Brian May. I thought that was quite good. And the the musical numbers are great. But like you said, um, the film is a little bit flawed. Now, before we go on to some of those bad points, uh, we'll have a bit of welcome relief. Um, (laughs) We've got a clip from the film. Um, This is, again, a clip that we have subsequently found out has been slightly altered historically it is one of the funnier moments in the film take a little listen to this clip
2: how was that
1: higher can you go a bit higher
2: if i go any higher only dogs will hear me try higher How many more Galileos do you want? One more, one more. One more. Again. Go on. Roll the track. Who even
0: is Galileo?
2: Are we done?
0: That's it. He loves you. So yeah, that, that was a really, really good clip. Um, and it was one of the funnier moments in the film, as you said, however, when we did look into this, um, just sort of research, how this part of Bohemian Rhapsody was made, they never actually sung the the, the part in that manner. It was actually the pitch was just sh- literally just mm. shifted, um, with the, uh, um, uh, audio equipment to, to make those higher moments uh, mm. and harmonies form. Um, and it's this manipulation of of facts within this film that, when you delve into them, really um, disappoint. Mm. Um, it's it's unfortunate because uh, this film has been played with a production history that's that's obviously um, given well, us this this film. Um, you've got some notes there about what uh, one of the reasons. Well,
1: director Brian Singer uh, was removed from the production halfway through the film. Um, you also said that um Sasha Baron Cohen was involved in the film, yeah, and... so
0: he he wanted to make a a very different picture to the picture that we saw. He felt that Brian May and Roger Taylor were having far too much influence on the film and were painting this film to be a a a much uh, more a PG sort of film mm, mm. um where um it could be more inclusive to to new new fans yeah. introduce a new audience Absolutely. to queen um but but sasha Barracombe wanted to have it to be more of a freddie mercury biopic and to capture the essence of what freddie mercury really went through in life mm. um and and not not this queen tangent slash going off on freddie mercury tangents every now and then and then bringing it back into this ultimate conclusion that's why I think this film feels hollow, and feels pedestrian, and it feels like it doesn't take any risks. It it needed to take the risks to to highlight some important facts about Freddie Mercury's life, his homosexuality, and the fact that he was diagnosed with HIV AIDS. Um, these things are touched upon, but it's weak. It's it's not fundamentally hard hitting. And OK, people are going to say, do we need a hard hitting Queen film or do we need an entertaining Queen film? Well, we need a mixture of both, I think. And I feel like it didn't do that at all. It didn't mix those two elements together um, well enough to to pay tribute to, to Freddie Mercury and mm. Queen. To, to Brian May and Roger Taylor, I feel like they feel like they've made a great film here because it's it's bringing all this music that they've written over the years to a whole new audience. Mm. But, but no, I, I don't know. I, the more I talk about it, the more actually frustrating I am. You know, I think that's really interesting.
1: What you said about Roger Taylor and Brian May's involvement in the making of the film and people withdrawing it because they didn't like their influence. You've got to feel that the film is almost a, an advertisement for, for queen in one way. And it, it, It sets Freddie Mercury up almost like as a god, someone to idolise, you know, as a real revolutionary in in the music industry, which he was. But if you're going to make a biopic, you can't ignore the facts as well. You know, we see his alcohol and drug problems touched upon. Again, I think that's something that could have uh, been explored more. But for me, um, you know, there was a huge focus on his marriage to Mary Austin. Uh, who's played by Lucy uh, Boynton, uh, and, you know, little portrayal of his gay relationships. And and I, and I felt the film really shied away from this. Mm. You know, almost like, well, we're going to play it really safe. We're going to almost ignore that element of his life. And like you said, his diagnosis of uh, AIDS and, you know, ultimate death from that... Um, disease is, is is not ignored but it's almost like at the end you know a little and by the way Freddie Mercury
0: died of AIDS it's like it's, it's briefly summarised in an epilogue you know and, and that's not just a, I, but, I, but, but this is the thing this is why I said they have made a film
1: that people want to see so everyone wants to go well this is what we're led to believe everyone wants to go and sing along to Queen and stamp their feet and have a really good time no one wants to go and see a film where we see Freddie Mercury Troubled by drink and drugs, troubled by sexuality and ultimately dying of a fatal disease. But those things happened. And if you're going to make real cinema, if you're going to make a real biopic, you have to take those issues and tackle them head on. And it just didn't do that. And why is it an issue? Well, because it's, it's supposed to be a biopic. If the film was called Queen and they basically did a, a foot stomping, hand clapping, you know, two hour film with all their music, then great. You know, we could all go and say, yeah, that was really good fun. But but it wasn't. It was a, a, a Freddie murky biopic that missed out or, or didn't give enough detail to huge um, elements of his life. Um, and I just think that's that's a real shame. And that's why we're focusing on it, um, because if you're going
0: to make a biopic, you've you've got to be honest and this is this is a problem that we're coming across when when trying to review this film because we want to know as much as we can about the film after we've seen it and 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 understand why film this film was taken in this direction so then for us to then say that this was a bad film um is that, is a lie because no, it wasn't a bad, a bad film. film at all um i feel like despite the troubles with Brian singer and then bringing in dexter fletcher to direct the film now a little um, bit of fact here for you. Dexter Fletcher is actually directing the Elton John biopic, um, which I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing. So am
1: I, but again, I'm concerned about because,
0: you know, well, how much well, is going to
1: be fa- fact and how much is going well, to be complete fantasy. How
0: much of the film did Dexter Fletcher influence? Um, well, actually not a lot because actually the, uh, the main title of director goes to Brian Singer. So mm. he actually did a majority of the film. Um, Scriptwriters went, came and went on this film, um, and you can you can feel the input of multiple people mm. um, uh, driving this film, and uh, it, that is a real shame. But it feels like maybe this is something maybe we only we will pick up on and, and, and more specialist critics will pick up on. Because I've had people, um, Andrew Pullen, for instance, a, a great film, uh, a great Queen fan. Huge has, Queen fan. Like, like, massive. Biggest I know. Really, really loved the film. Um, Georgia Picton, another person who um, went and saw the film and told me as well that she really, really loved the film. So it's a true crowd pleaser. But when you delve into it, mm. it's factually inaccurate it's misleading and it doesn't delve into the problems that it needed and, and should have, have delved into. Mm-hmm. I mean, you were
1: saying earlier, can you have a film that's uplifting and powerful and also, you know, moving with his death from from AIDS? Well, yes. I mean, look at A Star Is Born. That was uplifting and powerful and sad and moving and it managed to incorporate all those things. You know, if I was to describe this film, I would say they've they've bubble-wrapped it. They've literally put it in bubble wrap and made it so padded and well-protected that you almost can't get to it. You know, it's it's the mo- It's the like they've had hundreds of solicitors and lawyers reading mm. through the script for hours, and then they've had a solicitor go come in and go, no, cut this bit, no, cut that bit. Oh, our lawyers say you've got to take that bit out. Oh, airbrush that bit out. It just feels so safe when actually, you know... You love Freddie Mercury. You, you love Rami Malek's portrayal of him. You, 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 the music's great. And you've got an opportunity to hit the audience with his death.
0: And we don't get that. Um, Sorry, I didn't, I, <laughs> you were going to go over a key point. I didn't want to interrupt you there, but I am going to. You can draw a massive comparison of this film to The Greatest Showman. Absolutely. Factually inaccurate. Well, yeah. The Greatest Showman, for
1: the fans out there, the film is total nonsense. It takes someone who is basically... Uh, running a circus act for his own wealth and his own uh, prosperity, and taking advantage of people with disabilities to make money out of them. The film span it into this really good feel good musical. You know, tragic. Really, mm.
0: it doesn't go as I don't think. Oh, no, no, it goes as far as no, that, no, no, no. But you can go as far as saying that the music is fantastic. You, 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 you are entertained throughout the entire film, but you are misled factually, and I think um, that's where the downfall of this film is. Um David I'm going to ask you the question because I think we've been we've gone into plenty of detail with this one. Mm. Um Bohemian Rhapsody is it worth it? Um believe it or not uh I'm going to say yes.
1: Uh I do think this film is worth seeing in the cinema because on the big screen with the surround sound uh, it's it's pretty epic. It's it's a pretty feel good film and for the regular cinema goer for the normal person I think you'll go and you'll enjoy it. Um, if you're a diehard Queen fan you might have issues with it uh, and if you're like me and Craig and you're really sad and you like critiquing <laughs> films you'll probably pick up on what we've said. The last thing I want to say is the end scene, Rami Malik, is sensational in the Live Aid concert, the band is sensational, the CGI is horrific. Truly terrible. Wembley looks great, but this horrible CGI audience that they've put in there is a real shame, and I think it detracts greatly from the ending. But overall, for me, um, a problematic film, uh, a slightly historically inaccurate film, but for a regular cinema goer, uh, I would say it's worth it.
0: Yeah, I I completely agree with everything you said there, and I I would say it's a hundred percent worth going to see in the cinema and and in IMAX to get that full um, width of sound blasting you in the face um, mm-hmm. as well as as well as visuals. Um, yeah, go and see it.
1: Yeah, I just want to say I did. I don't get me wrong, I did, I did quite enjoy this film. I know um, I I really enjoyed <laughs> it as well. But I want to make that clear. Yeah. I'm just saying from a critical perspective, there there is problems, but you know it's worth it. I, I would definitely recommend seeing it. <laughs>
0: So it's now time for uh, another film review on this week's show, and it's Goosebumps Two: Haunted Halloween. Uh, so the first Goosebumps film um, I rather enjoyed. Um, I went into that one with fairly low expectations and came out actually really enjoying it. Um, so when Goosebumps Two: Haunted Halloween came around, I was uh, fairly looking forward to to this sequel. Um so Goosebumps 2 Haunted Halloween what's it about Well we have got two friends um who are starting a little business uh they're teenagers they they're going around collecting other people's rubbish for free to try and sell it on Um they get asked to go to a a house which is the typical looks like the haunted house in the town um and they go and start raiding it for for goodies essentially Um and this is where they come across a a magical book that's locked in a treasure chest. Now, this treasure chest contains this book. And when they open the book and they read a verse, um, something happens. And what happens? Well, a ventriloquist doll dummy thing appears <laughs> seconds later in this chest and comes to life. Oh, yes. So, <laughs> this dummy is obviously incredibly scary. Um, R.L. Stein uh, writes some pretty scary children's books, um, but this one was never completed and uh so therefore, the dummy wants to to find a family and wants Aww. to finish wants to finish his book essentially and it's obviously as it's bit as it's an, an unwritten book um anything can happen, and this dummy is able to bring things to life and uh because he's actually slightly on the twisted and the evil side um things start to go wrong, and multiple creatures that are of the of the halloween night. Um, try to kill our teenagers, the teenagers' ghouls. sister, the mum, and, and it just all goes ghouls. crazy. There are ghouls, ghouls there are, ghosts, demons, yeah, uh, gu- giant gummy bears that you can eat that then try to eat them. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, this—I mean, the concept's good. The um, it's fun. It's entertaining, but it lacked what the first one had and Jack Black came, comes into the film rather late on as, as RL Stein trying to save the day, but doesn't really do that much. Um, he is typical Jack Black. Um, I thought, um, uh, some of the, um, teenagers. So Jeremy Ray Taylor, who plays Sonny, I thought he was really good. He was great in, um, it as well. I don't know if you've seen that, but if you haven't, please watch it. Cause it's really, really good. Um, Ken, um, I can't never pronounce his name. Zhang. Zhang, uh, as Mr. Chu. Um, so he's obviously um, been in a lot of films. Um, he he was supposed to be the car- the comedy relief within the film. I mean, probably best known, among other things, for The Hangover. The Hangover, Crazy Rich Asians, yeah. uh, Community, if you've seen that TV series, he's in there as well. Um, very funny. Um, so did I, like, did I actually like this film? Well, it was slightly... Better than than I'm probably giving it away to be, but it it wasn't as good as the first one. Was it worth watching in the cinema? Probably not. Probably you could watch this at home. Um, It could could have been a Nickelodeon uh, TV uh, movie and it it could have been somewhat better. Yes, but it's a kid's film. Mm. And I think the kids would enjoy this. Actually, um, it had some dumb elements. It's going to have dumb elements, but it's. And when I say dumb dumb elements, it's just silly, mm. stupid plot holes yeah. that are going to go over most people's heads. But over my head, no. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, David, you can ask me the question.
1: Yeah. So, before I ask you the uh, question, like you said, I mean, if you, if you're saying you think it's something that's potentially worth watching on DVD. It's the sort of thing that they will release on DVD next Halloween, and I imagine it will be plugged and marketed then. Um, but, alas, if people still are thinking about going to see this in the cinema, Craig, Goosebumps 2, is it worth it?
0: Um, I'm going to say now, no. Ooh. If it, if we'd got this review out a little bit earlier, I think maybe yes um, for the kids half term but now that's all passed I think this is something that you could easily watch at home now Um, so if it is still out in cinema which I believe it is um, I I don't think it's worth it save it for next year
1: yes thanks very much that was Craig's review of Goosebumps 2 on Halloween so our next review is Halloween
0: um, whatever number we're on now, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I think it's considered number two in the, in the, in the multiple universe of Halloween. Um, just having a look now and oh, I can see, right. So the first Halloween film was in 1978, followed by Halloween 2 in 1981, Halloween 3 uh, Season of the Witch in 1982, Halloween 4 The Return of Michael Myers in 1988, Halloween 5 in 1989 and we've got Halloween The Curse of Michael Myers in 1995. Following that, Halloween H2O, 20 years later, <laughs> 1998, and Halloween Resurrection, 2002. Now, you'll be glad to know that you don't have to see anything from Halloween 2 onwards to Halloween Resurrection because they are no longer considered canon. And Halloween 2018 is now the sequel to Halloween 1978. So, that's pretty good because I haven't seen <laughs> any of those films in between. Well, I, I'll, I'll be honest, I don't think you've missed a lot. No. Me neither.
1: There is is no better example of an incredible film basically being slowly and systematically murdered for the sake of financial gain. The films after the original, by all measures, were terrible. Um... So there was a lot of hype for this one because this is, like you said, considered the sequel.
0: The, the sequel, uh, which happens to have Jamie Lee Curtis back in her title role as Laurie Strode. And she is confronting her longtime foe, Michael Myers, the masked figure of absolute chaos. Um, and if you didn't know, Mike, Michael Myers' uh, mask is actually a character from Star Trek turned inside out and painted white. How horrific is that? It's not a nice mask. I mean, it's actually probably one of the most uh, iconic uh, masks in any film Mm. series ever. Well, it's just completely soulless, isn't it? And lifeless and... (laughs) as there's a good aspect to this film that we've got got started off to Um, so what happens well Michael Myers somehow manages to escape a 40 year prison sentence after being transferred to another prison Um, and there's a couple of podcasters who are trying to interview him to find out more about why he does the things that he does. Uh, in the meantime, these podcasters go and visit Laurie Stro to try and find out a bit more about her background. Um, and uh, these guys are, are really quite annoying. And mm. um, we've actually got a clip here of these um, lovely podcasters visiting Michael Myers, uh, trying to get a little bit of information from him.
1: Yeah, and just before you think, uh, just before you listen, the important thing to remember is Michael Myers. He's been in prison in a you know a tight facility obviously a mental health facility for 40 years has never said a single word that's why the podcasters are trying to eke
2: something out of him michael i've got some people who'd like to meet you hello michael my name is aaron corey i've been following your case for years and still know very little about you i'd like to know more About that night? About those involved? Do you ever think about them, Michael? Feel guilt about their fate? I borrowed something from a friend at the Attorney General's office, Michael. Mm -hmm. You feel it, don't you, Michael?
0: So they've obviously gone there to really raw him up, trying to eke something out of him, as you said. Um, and they get absolute sweet nothing. Absolute nothing I out mean, of him. I mean, let's be honest, though.
1: The bloke hasn't spoken for 40 years. And then you get, hello, Michael. I'm an annoying podcaster. Why did you kill all those people? It's like, oh, so going. Like he's going to open up to you outside. Um, I, th- I think... Before we get into the, the the our opinions on this film, um, literally this minute I've just seen that uh, this film has become the highest-grossing uh, slasher film of all time. Uh, unbelievably, it's taken £174.5 million uh, in the global box office, uh, so it goes to the highest-grossing slasher of all time, uh, which is Halloween 2018, followed by Scream, Scream 2 and Scream 3. Um What did I think of this film? Well, I'll kick kick us off that, you know, there are some good points to it. But I'll start by saying I wasn't as excited about this film as other people. I didn't enjoy it as much as other people. I've had a lot of text messages from people saying, oh, David, have you seen Halloween? You know, what are you going to say about it on the podcast? And my response to all of them has been, yep, I've seen it and... Yeah, it was all right. Um I mean the good points about it, the soundtrack, the soundtrack's phenomenal. We just mm-hmm. uh, watched a couple of clips, but I said to Craig have that same clip without that soundtrack and what do you have? Almost nothing. Jamie Lee Curtis is brilliant. She oozes class. Uh I've I've loved all all that she's been in. I think she's a fabulous actress. Um and also Mike Myers The way he's portrayed, you know, although we don't see his face, the physicality of him, it's horrifying. He's he's lifeless. He moves like a ghost, very robotically, very mechanically. And it's 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 chilling. He is so psychotic and so hollow. And you really feel that the way he just casually, once he's escaped, walks around and without drama, without any emotion at all, just savages and, you know, slashes people, multiple people to death. So I think there is good things about this film. But for me, um, there's also a lot that's wrong with it. You know, this character analysis that's set up. So Jamie Lee Curtis's character, we're given all this sort of um, she's got PTSD kind of thing and she's been a a recluse for 40 years. Okay, so you've given us that. That's then not explored. Um, Strange humour, I remember. A couple of bits that I just thought were unnecessary a moronic police force let's be honest Mm -hmm. when Michael Myers is on his rampage you know you've got a couple of police officers that couldn't organise a piss up in a brewery Um, they, they seem to have no idea where he is what he's up to and it's almost like oh someone gets murdered ten minutes later the same one policeman turns up you know thinking oh must be Michael Myers I'll go and find him drives off and then ten minutes later he kills someone else a predictable plot so I don't think it's a great film Unless I'm missing something. Having said that, um, it was watchable, um, and and it and it was a solid horror film. It was a solid horror film made solid by some some good acting performances and a brilliant soundtrack. But for me, nothing special. Mm. So
0: I don't think it is a horror film. I feel like it's just it's a a slasher film. Uh, it's it's a thriller in, in some mm. sense. I I didn't find it horrifying um i found it entertaining and and <laughs> and quite funny in some parts but but because you you do find some certain horrific things funny and but the way that they did it was 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 quite humorous in some in some respects mm. some of it was actually maybe quite horrific but <laughs> um but the, the the podcasters they were I quite was quite happy when uh, there's
1: nothing worse than two annoying
0: podcasters. Well, I'll be uh, honest. Uh, Yeah, I mean, and but they don't—they don't even know how to record a podcast. So, <laughs> I <laughs> mean, they turn up with with uh, a, a nice little portable audio system, a Zoom <laughs> H4n, something that I own as well. But they're, they're recording outside with without a wind muff on it, <laughs> and uh, you're, I'm thinking I'm I'm probably the only person thinking this as well. That's going to pick up all the sound of the wind. <laughs> You're going to be capturing nothing on that. And you oh. are award-winning podcasters, apparently. That. Absolute rubbish.
1: I love that. So you've got Michael Myers going around, killing people, killing women, killing children. And Craig's like, those podcasters, damn those podcasters, they didn't have a windmuff. <laughs> Basically, yes. <laughs> I just think that's, that's brilliant. But um, they were annoying. Um, like I said, that badly written characters. You know, again, we knew Michael Myers was going to, escape because if he didn't escape there wouldn't be a film but I thought the way that was done was slightly lazy um there's there is potential here and I mean the problem we have now is it's come back after 40 years it's dismantled the box office making hundreds of millions globally um fan theory suggests that he's not actually dead therefore why not make another one um and and it's just like why you know why the first one was iconic um, revolutionary for slasher films, particularly with the soundtrack. You've done a second one. You've got your money. Let Michael Myers die. Um, in well, I was going to say in peace, but let him just die unpeacefully, but get rid of him. No mm. more Michael Myers. Because um, like I said, I didn't think this film was great, but a lot of people have enjoyed it and let them enjoy it and, and, and leave
0: it at that. So David, Halloween 2018, is it worth it? Uh, I'm going to say yes. Um, I think the film is worth it. Like
1: I said, the soundtrack's brilliant, Jamie Lee Curtis is great. Um the character of Michael Myers is fundamentally disturbing in the way he goes around just emotionally slaughtering people. Um and it's 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 a, it's a it's a solid slasher film. I don't think it's as good as everyone's saying it is. Um I think there's far better films that I've seen that should be taking hundreds of millions globally and this isn't one of them. But that said, for what it is, it's it's worth going to see in the cinema. Um, we're, we are past Halloween now, but who actually cares? You know, it's it, it's not really a Halloween movie in the sense it doesn't have to be Halloween to butcher people. You know, <laughs> <laughs> you can you can kill anyone anytime mm. you want. Uh, obviously, there will be repercussions uh, from the law, but obviously, um, yeah. no. I'll stop waffling. You know, it's it's a solid film. It's it's worth checking out.
0: Yeah, I, it's definitely worth checking out. It's definitely entertaining, and it's something that you can go and see and just mong out watching in the cin- <laughs> and in, in the cinema. And it's worth seeing in the cinema, I mm. think actually. Um, and I'm probably going to retract that what I said about it being just a, a slasher thriller. It's, it is a horror, mm. um, but it's probably more slasher thriller than 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 a horror film in in the sense that a quiet place is a thriller. Yeah. And is that a horror film? I mean, horror, there's such a, a wide genre these days. Just out of interest, Halloween, I mean, I didn't see
1: barely anyone trick-or-treating this year, but if I was to go trick-or-treating, I would wear that mask. Um, I wouldn't even carry anything else. I would just walk around, om, 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 I'm trying to think of a word, ominously, om, mm-hmm. um, something, somethingly, yeah. but I would just walk around my local town in that mask. I'm sure the police would be called. They'd have to be.
0: They probably knew it was you. Probably. (laughs)
1: Anyway, um, if you see this film, uh, we hope you enjoy it. But both me and Craig do recommend checking it out. And that was our review for Halloween 2018.
0: Let us know what you thought as well. Mm. David, what is the email address to where they can do that? Our
1: email address is is mymailisworthit at gmail.com. That is is mymailisworthit at gmail.com. Craig asks me this every week because I'm always forgetting it. Um, but we love your emails um, we've had a couple uh, this week um, about A Star Is Ball and a few others and, and those people will be receiving two free cinema tickets each so if you would like some free cinema tickets which you could use at any cinema world in the UK and they're valid for six months including IMAX may I say mm-hmm. um, You know, so two tickets £30 worth of tickets all you need to do is tweet us Facebook us Instagram us swipe right on Tinder for me or email us at that address folks, it's time for the news. Uh, only one piece of news from me this week, but I think it's a pretty massive piece of news. It's that Breaking Bad, the movie is in the pipeline. It is being made, the script has been written, and I believe uh, shooting is going to start incredibly soon. We're talking the next couple of weeks. There's a huge veil of secrecy um, lingering over this film. No one seems to know anything. We don't know if it's a prequel, a sequel, a sort of sidequel. There is so much that they could do with this film. And, um, Breaking Bad is obviously a phenomenal uh, series that's become famous all around the world. I haven't finished it yet, um, but I'm loving what I've seen so far. But I know so many people have seen this series. And a film on the back of the series, one is a big risk. But two, it has the potential to be superb. Um, but it is huge news in the in the cinema world that Breaking Bad, the movie, is going to
0: happen. Mm, and following on from that, another film that's in the works is Paddington Free and. I, I loved the first one, loved the second one. So I'm really excited to 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 hear that Paddington 3 is in the works. Um, it is unfortunate, however, Paul King will not be uh, responsible for writing or co-writing and directing um, these uh, this the, the third film. Um, he is currently too busy, apparently. Um, and I think David Hyman as well. Um, he's in the midst of um, doing some Fantastic Beasts stuff. Um, he may be coming back to or might be working on on the Paddington films Um, so it is a bit up in the air at the minute as to who's going to be doing the directing but looking forward to that nonetheless and for my third and final piece of news is I'm looking forward to this Ridley Scott is moving forward with a sequel for Gladiator so it's unfortunate however because Maximus Decimus Meridius, commander of the armies of the North, general of the Felix legions, (laughs) loyal servant to the true emperor Marcus Aurelius, father to a murdered son, husband to a murdered wife, and he will have his vengeance in this life or the next will not actually have his vengeance in this next film because he is he not in, in this film. <laughs> um, that's but nonetheless, right, a,
1: a, a wonderful rendition, Craig. Well done. Definitely uh,
0: had that off, uh, off, <laughs> yeah. Off, off, off. Yeah, Craig doesn't know it off by heart. <laughs> he actually had to get it up on the screen. But uh, I enjoyed it nonetheless. Thank you. Um, so, yes, yeah, so Ridley Scott's been talking for years about doing this film and it's finally in the works. Um, and as I said, it will not be um, bringing Russell Crowe's character back. I mean, there could be flashbacks. That could mm. be quite nice. Um, but, no, instead, it's going to be following um, Lucius, son of Lucilia. Um, uh, Russell Crowe's character, Maximus uh, Decimus Meridius, had saved this child at the end of the film, and it's going to be uh, following on his where he left off, essentially, or seeing him grown up mm. and uh, and 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 basically fighting. It's in some regards maybe being a gladiator. That could be interesting. Um, but yeah, I'm looking forward to that.
1: Yeah, Ridley Scott sensational director gladiator one of the best movies of all time with a a soundtrack that alone is worthy of many many awards and in other news a human spider has been banned from climbing any building in the uk
0: and that was the news brought to you by is it worth it the film review podcast From the 1st of October, Starbucks, located within Cineworld, Hemel Hempstead, will be opening its doors from 8am. So
1: if you like a cup of the dark
0: roast as much as I do... Or a croissant. Why
1: not head down to Starbucks, located in Cineworld, Hemel Hempstead? Please drink caffeine responsibly. So it's now time for another review, and Craig will be reviewing Widows. Uh, There's been a lot of hype around this film. There's talks about it possibly winning, uh, or at least being nominated for an Oscar for Best Picture... Um, I haven't seen it yet. I'm looking forward to seeing it, but Craig has seen it and he's going to review it now. Craig, take it away.
0: So, Widows. Uh, Widows sees Steve McQueen, director of 12 Years a Slave and Hunger, returning, directing and writing the screenplay for this heist movie. Um, The film centres on four women who have been brought together by the deaths of their husbands. Viola Davis is playing Veronica. Her husband is Harry Rawlings, who is played by Liam Neeson. And he is seen as this leader of a criminal heist gang um and the film opens with scenes of these two characters being intimate with each other uh, and, it's, and then intercut with with harry's last heist the heist where everything goes wrong and now meanwhile playing out in the background we have a political backdrop of colin uh, colin farrell's character um and he's going up against um one of the Jamal brothers, who um, is fighting for power um, in 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 what is Chicago's state of ward, I think he can become a ward of of Chicago, um, and uh, it's Jamal who goes to Veronica, letting her know that Harry actually stole two million dollars from him, and now she has to pay him back. Uh, let's take a listen to a clip that I've sourced.
1: Our go-date is in three
2: days, the night of the debate. Now all of our work is worth nothing if we don't move this money in fast. The notebook says $5 million.
1: That's exactly the amount of money Mulligan was accused of taking in commission kickbacks. So over here we have $2 million, 20 Tupperware boxes. Each box has $100,000 and $100 bills. It weighs 44 pounds. Now over here we have $2 million. 40 Tupperware boxes. Each box has $50,000 and $50 bills. It weighs 88 pounds.
2: I feel like I'm in school. Tell me about it. We got to start thinking like professionals. We're in business together. There's not going to be some cozy reunion. After this job,
0: we're done. We have three days to look and move like a team of men. The best thing we have going for us is being who we are.
2: Why? Because no one thinks we have the balls to pull this off.
0: So I'm just going to go straight out there and just say this is an excellent heist film. Really, really, really well done. And there, there there's so many amazing people in this film. Um, so as we mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, um, we've got Liam Neeson uh, in in this film. We've got Viola Davis. We've got John Berth, Berth and all. You've got... Um, Daniel Kaluga in the film, Colin Farrell, um some big names, Robert Duvall as well. Um there's there's so many different um actors and actresses in this film. It's it's it, you might be thinking, how are you gonna fit all of these layered, brilliant characters and actors in this film? Well on one hand, you've got the political political aspect, where you've got Colin Farrell's character, um, you've got Daniel Kaluga's character um, in there. Uh, and Then on the other side, you've got Liam Neeson's character and all of the um, um, criminal gang heist uh, actors on that side. And then in the middle, you've got uh, Veronica's character um, veering for for screen time as well. But and and they and they fit it in so well and you you really believe that everyone has the this great backstory and you do get backstory to 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 a lot of them and it's you don't need to to know the entire backstory but you get elements from it and the fact that you get these little little snippets of these characters really gives you depth um to who that who they were or who they are um and again it's it's a women taking on a heist film. Now, this film does everything right where Ocean's 8 did it wrong. Mm. It does have some humorous moments in it. It has it has really thought out how they're going to pull this off, why they're going to pull this off and and if if they can pull it pull it off and and you know, the, I, I, I thought it was really well executed, really well shot as well. There's there's some amazing scenes in the film. I mean, there's a scene where um, a camera is strapped to to the front of the car and you're waiting for the camera to move inside the car because you can still hear the dialogue of the two characters that are in the car speaking, but it never does. You're driving down the street and it's almost a conversation playing out in real time and all you can see is, is the front of the vehicle moving. And... I've not seen that before in a film like this. And it really worked. I, I don't know why it worked, but it did. It just it just really centred me and really made me listen to what they were talking about. And it can be quite confusing, the film, in the sense that there's a lot of political um, layers to the film that, that some might find a little bit confusing. Um, but nonetheless... The fact that it makes you listen to the dialogue and makes you listen to what's going on, you you tend to get a gist of, of what's going on, um, and I think it's a very successful film in in the sense that the way in the, in how it's made, a lot of critics have been very positive to it. It's got seven point two on 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 IMDb. It's got a very high rating on uh, Rotten Tomatoes. So yeah, I mean, it's definitely definitely up there as being a really good film. Will it win awards? Does... I I really don't know. This is a that's a really tricky question. Because... I mean that
1: that that's what I was um going to talk about briefly. Obviously, I haven't seen the film after your review. I'm looking forward to seeing it. Everyone knows how much I love Rotten Tomatoes. You know, 97 percent at the moment for the critics who've been to see this. I think so. There there there's always a outsider a surprise film that gets nominated for best picture um, and this year it's a contender between I think the likes of hereditary a quiet place black panther and widows one of those films that it's a little bit different not oscar bait when I saw the trailer I saw a good cast I saw a heist movie I was then surprised to see it in the sort of top 10 uh, in the betting for best picture but from what you said I could understand why it also has an all a uh, very strong female cast um a very heavily female influence in the trailer and, and in the film by the sounds of it and i think that's important it almost does what oceans eight needed to do but does it better um do you think do you think it'll be nominated for anything and do you think it can win anything
0: well i think uh, viola davis could be up for best actress i think she was phenomenal in the film um along with um michelle rodriguez as well she was fantastic um I mean, yeah. Again, as you said, a very strong female cast, and and I've, either one of them really could come away with some with some kind of award. Mm. Um, maybe not on the criminal side of where Liam Neeson's characters, because they they weren't in the film as much as some people were probably hoping that they might be. Yeah. But it's a, certainly a very gripping film. Um, lots of twists and turns, um, and and very fought out. In in terms of there's no plot holes if you know mm. what I mean, um, so yeah I'm gonna say would actually gone you ask me the question oh, I'm sat here patiently uh, waiting yes uh, Craig Widows is it worth it yes this is definitely worth going to see in the cinema um, it's it's a, a very entertaining popcorn film filled with. Things that will make you think as well—the political backdrop of it, for instance—is is a part of it that it will get people thinking, and so it can do both, and and that's what I really like about this film.
1: Thanks very much for that, Craig. So, widows definitely worth it, uh, in Craig's opinion. Thanks for that, and I'm I'm now looking forward to to seeing it. So it's now time for me to review Hunter Killer, uh, which stars uh, Gerard Butler and Gary Oldman. Uh, now, I saw this film a few days ago, and uh, I'm, I'm quite looking forward to this review. So so what is Hunter Killer about? Well, the, the plot is actually quite simple, although it's covered in chaos and explosions, and it is quite confusing at times. The, the premise is quite simple. Uh, Gerard Butler uh, stars as Joe Glass, uh, submarine captain, who's tasked with navigating an American submarine into foreign waters uh, to actually save the Russian president uh, from a coup. Basically, what has happened is the Russian foreign uh, minister of defense, the Russian minister of defense, um, is a complete nutter. Um, He he kidnaps the president, starts blowing up things, um, his own submarines, American submarines, basically trying to trigger world war three no one can really work out what's going on including us the audience but you know we don't worry we have gerard butler um in a in a big ass submarine and he's going to sail into you know un you know on un- untested waters to to save the world because that's what it is craig this isn't this isn't just american russia gerard butler once again will save the world and he actually says that a number of times right now where okay. do you start with this film um you know, in terms of good points, I've put it's not boring, and that's pretty much all I've put for the good points. That said, in some ways, I did quite enjoy this in a really weird way that it's almost so bad that in a way it's good. It's very difficult to take this film at all seriously because uh, the script has been written by primary school children. <laughs> um, it really is the most terrible script in the world. I'll give you an example. So I'll make this up now, but this is the kind of sc- script it is. You know, there's this one scene where Jared Butler's talking to his his submarine, and it's like, Men, I am a man, and we are in a submarine. And the world is watching. The world depends upon us. I know how it feels to be where you are, behind that oil, oily machinery pulling your hard muscles on that machinery under hundreds of tonnes of water. We could all die any second, but the world is watching. You know, that kind of melodramatic gibberish, Mm. um, you know, self-righteous, stoic, really important nonsense. Um, And we've got a clip here uh, which stars Gary Oldman, who, who I think has a real laugh in this film. Gary Oldman plays a crazy Pentagon official whose solution to everything is to shout very loudly, Uh, He spends most of the film shouting and his solution to everything is blow it up, bomb them, invade. Um, So here's a clip uh, from the film where Gary Oldman's character finds out that one of the American subs has, in
2: fact, gone missing. Sir, Tampa Bay has gone missing in the Barents Sea. We picked up a distress signal above the Kola Peninsula. That's Russia's back porch. There's classified systems on that boat. And 110 men, sir. Of course. Well, you want to go quick, but you want to go armed, fast attack, submarine.
0: I told Sixth Fleet you want a hunter killer.
2: We don't have one in the Yukon region, not with the rescue sub detachment. We do. We have one. No, sir. Arkansas just lost a skipper. And I assigned her a new one. He's in the region, never been a captain. Joe Glass. Where the hell did you find him? What class was he? Never went to Annapolis, sir.
1: You know, I th- I think that's a great clip for showing what this film is like. Do you know what I mean, Gary Oldman's character there? You know, with the comment, "You want to go quick and you want to go armed." You know, and it's got that. There's 141 men, and it's all very melodramatic. And then, you know, what's the solution? Well, it's Gerard Butler, and then the and then the music starts to build, and it's it's a really self righteous, sort of indulgent, chaotic film that actually somehow manages to be quite entertaining. Um I mean the CGI is pretty ropey. Uh when when Gerard Butler's commanding this submarine it seems to respond more like a speedboat than uh-huh. a submarine. It moves incredibly quickly underwater. And of course, you know, when he's captaining it, it it always misses the iceberg by about half an inch because he's perfectly guided it. And there's this ridiculous scene where the submarine's above water and he's standing on the on the viewing point and the submarine looking into the sunset with the American flag blowing in the wind and you just sort of want to vomit into your popcorn bag. But somehow, it manages to be um, relatively entertaining. I mean, like I said, the acting's pretty pretty uh, one-dimensional. The script is pretty disastrous. But at the same time, I quite enjoyed it because although it took itself very seriously, it was almost so bad that you couldn't take it seriously. It felt like, you know, um, Crocosaurus versus Megashark almost. That kind of ridiculous spoof. And... It was it was quite entertaining at times, and you know Gerard Butler was just Gerard Butler. Uh, Gary Oldman, like I said, I think he just had a laugh at this because he was just shouting, telling people to blow stuff up. Um, and it's and it's watchable, and you do build a little bit of an emotional connection to some of the characters. Um, and there's this quite nice moment where Gerard Butler uh, and a Russian captain, who have been enemies for many many years, meet and they realise they have to work together. Um, that said. Would I pay to watch this in the cinema? Uh, Should I pay to watch this in the cinema? Um, Craig asked me the question. <laughs> David, Hunter Killer, is it worth it? Uh, no, um, <laughs> it, no, it, it's not. It's not worth seeing in the cinema because it is the kind of film where you can watch it, you can go and make a sandwich, go to the toilet, come back, and you won't have missed anything. The plot is is is. You know, lots happens, but the plot is they need to save the Russian president. So for me, it's the kind of film on a Tuesday night after work where there's nothing else to watch. You chuck it on. You can you can just chill out with mates, talk, eat pizza. And if you miss 10 minutes of it, it's it's not going to it's not going to affect your enjoyment or ability to follow the plot. It's not the kind of film I go and see in the cinema because it's. It's it's a film that's been done time and time and time again. It's almost like any Gerard Butler film, but with a different title. It's basically him trying mm. to save the world with lots of explosions, lots of mad
0: politicians, and um, yeah. Is it very similar to Olympus Has Fallen? I did see that in the trailer that we watched about. I, I believe it's minute.
1: from the same people who are involved in making that catastrophe. Um, <laughs> I mean, those those films are, are worse than this. This isn't as bad as that, because okay. that, that's more self-righteous and more like, because remember, you know, so the White House has fallen, for example, that genre of film. It almost suggests that if the White House was to be taken over, the world would come to an end. Well, I hate to tell you, Americans, but if the White House was taken over, it would be pretty disastrous. But the world would carry on spinning. Mm. You know, the world doesn't revolve around America. And we get that sense again in this in this picture that, that you know the world rolls around you know world war three's looming well no we've got a nutty russian who's blowing stuff up um because he wants to cause a war but actually you know the world's still carrying on as normal um there's just a bit of a chaotic shootout under the ice um look i i, I was entertained Uh, in some ways but I I, I don't think it's worth seeing in the cinema I would wait for it to come out on DVD Uh, it's the sort of film that will come on Netflix and give it a watch then Uh, I wouldn't go and see it in the cinema Is it worth it? Should I stream it? Yes, that's right. It's time for our relatively new feature. Is it worth it? Should I stream it? If you're wondering why we're doing this, it's because film is infectious. Trust me, the more films you watch, the more films you want to watch, the more you'll be going to the cinema. And before you know it, you'll be seeing all of the films, even the bad ones, and making your own film review podcast. Um, In terms of streaming services, there's a couple of films that I'd like to recommend to you. Uh, that are currently available on Netflix. The first one is Whiplash, uh, directed by Damien Chazelle. It was his first film. Uh, he followed that up with La La Land and then, most recently, First Man. Um, Whiplash, this film blew me away. My my brother urged me to watch it, told me what it was about, uh, about a young drummer, um, and I thought, well, that's going to be fairly boring, but it isn't. It's an intense um, film, it's moving, it's powerful, it has you on the edge of your seat, it's it's an incredible film, Chazelle at his finest, um, and for a first time film, f- sensational, check that out on Netflix, also available on Netflix at the moment, is one of my um, favourite films of, of all time, it's certainly flawed, but nonetheless, it's a Martin Scorsese masterpiece gangs of new york leonardo dicaprio daniel day lewis cameron diaz jim broadbent liam neeson but to name a few in a very very long film but a film that is really worth watching for the acting for for the general plot um you know this was a game changer uh actually in the in the film industry for a number of reasons you know Scorsese is a genius. So I recommend those two films, Uh, two fantastic directors, two fantastic films, Whiplash and Gangs of New York, both available now on Netflix.
0: And uh, I'd like to recommend a film from Amazon Prime. Uh, So this is War Dogs. This is directed by Todd Phillips and it's starring Jonah Hill, Miles Teller, and Miles Teller who actually happens to be in Whiplash as well um, as our leading character in there. And uh, this film is, is infinitely funny, but also very dramatic, and 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 sees um, a Jonah Hill play a very different character to what we were used to before. Um, so it's based on the true story of two uh, young men who won three hundred million dollar contract from the Pentagon to arm uh, um, America's allies in Afghanistan. Um, these guys, um, they were just two kids, really, who, who started a business. It, it has a lot of Wolf of Wolf, Wall Street elements to it in the sense that it, they didn't really know what they were doing, but they did do something very well. And uh, it's definitely worth watching on Amazon Prime.
2: Thanks, guys. Right, I saw a film at the weekend, which I'm really excited to tell you about. Um, it's on Netflix again. Last week, I reviewed a Netflix film, but that was a Netflix original, whereas this is a former cinema film. came out in 2016, it's called Central Intelligence, Uh, so it stars Dwayne Johnson, and uh, at the beginning it's brilliant, there's a flashback scene of him in a fat suit uh, at his high school being bullies, which is funny but also like, oh, kids, they can be cruel. Um, In the same flashback, uh, Kevin Hart is playing a character called Calvin, who's uh, very confident, doing stunts, he's a former athlete. Um, and then after the flashback, they're at a school reunion at uh, the beginning of the film. So, um, Calvin, uh, Kevin Hart, is now a accountant. Uh, so, he's a bit kind of like stuck in a rubbish job. Um, whereas The Rock uh, basically turns up looking like The Rock. And um, he's now uh, called Bob Stone and he's a CIA agent. Uh, and it turns out he needs uh, the help of Calvin. Um, so (laughs) there's uh, lots of shootouts, espionage, double crosses and preventing chaos as you'd expect from a a spy comedy Um, but the person I watched this film with, uh, we could not stop laughing we were sitting on the sofa watching Netflix Um, it was hilarious Uh, and she actually said this is the reason I went and watched uh, Jumanji which uh, came out at the beginning of this year so you reviewed that on week two of the podcast Um, So as you can probably tell from my enthusiasm, this film is definitely worth it. Um, I think it's hilarious. Worth a stream. Uh, Two hours of your time won't be wasted. Uh, See you next week.
1: As always, we want to hear and we love hearing your opinions. So if you've seen something recently Um, on Netflix or Amazon or any of the other streaming services so it doesn't even have to be something you've seen in the cinema that you think is worth seeing give us an email tell us about it Uh, we can recommend it to our listeners Uh, and as always you'll be in with a chance of winning a couple of free tickets like I said cinema film is infectious the more films you see the more films you want to see and it's it's really enjoyable so uh, that was our short but brief feature is it worth it? should I stream it? Okay, so it's now time for our last review of the show, which is The Nutcracker and The Four Realms. Well, what is this film about? Uh, Well, it focuses on a young girl uh, called Clara, who's played by Mackenzie Foy, and she ends up being transported into this magical, yet quite strange and bizarre world. Uh, How does she get there, you ask? Well, um, fairly early on in the film, we learn that her, her mother has passed away, and this obviously has a big impact on her. Uh, But more than that, it has a major impact on her father, who's clearly troubled by the loss of his wife. Um, Anyway, I think it's Christmas Eve or or coming up to Christmas, they're given presents early, they're presents that the the mother has left them. They all get various different gifts. And and Clara gets this sort of silver egg, um, (laughs) which she can't get into because it requires a key. Um, So, you know, a little bit further down the line, her godfather throws this... Elaborate and extravagant Christmas party where all the children get presents, uh, and to find the presents, they have to follow these uh, sort of strings that are put all around the house. Uh, so, you've got kids going everywhere, and at the end of the string is the gift. Well, at the end of her piece of string was this key, uh, but this key wasn't actually in the house, it was almost in like another dimension. Her piece of string or rope was golden, it just went on and on and on, and it sort of led her through some sort of cupboard, door, wardrobe, something. Uh, a little bit like um, Lion, Witch in the Wardrobe sort of thing. Bit of
0: Narnia going on uh, there.
1: She comes out, and again, exactly like Lion, Witch in the Wardrobe. She's in this wonderful snowy forest. She sees this Christmas tree. Um, there's a key hanging on She gets the key, but before she knows it, the key has been stolen by a rodent, by uh, a mouse, which um, we are believing is, is the bad guy at this point. Anyway, she goes chasing after this mouse um, and then comes across... You know, uh, a kingdom beyond her wildest dreams, and also encounters a number of other characters in this kingdom um, that speak of her mother being a queen of the four realms, a queen of this parallel universe. Uh, and here's a little clip when uh, Clara um, is introduced to some of the other main characters.
2: This is your mother's throne, Your Grace. Have you come to save us, Clara? No. I'm sorry. I didn't even know this place existed before today. You see, I was looking for a Christmas present from my godfather. I love Christmas. What's Christmas? And then I ran into this horrible little mouse. And that's where I met the captain. We barely escaped Mother Ginger and the Mouse King. You met Mother Ginger?
1: Oh, my dear Clara. You're lucky to be alive.
2: You must promise never to go back to the land of amusements, Clara. No, oh, Hawthorne. Its title has been rescinded, Hawthorne. Oh. Oh, of, of course, I meant the fourth realm.
0: Apologies. I'm just so upset. Forget I ever mentioned the land of amusements. Oh. So I think that that clip really does highlight some of the uh, worst aspects of this film, and I think a lot of that is down to the to the nature of the script. Um, there should be a lot of emotional pull in this film, yet we don't get that. We mm. we really don't get the, um, the the things that are at stake within this film. There's a, a beautiful, magical kingdom that's been presented to us, and it's visually stunning. Um, but all the dialogue that that should connect this world to to our emotional play mm. doesn't doesn't work. I mean, there was one scene in particular where Kira Knightley's character, um. Is is about to do something quite uh, mischievous and and comes out with a with a word with the word poo. Um, I don't know if you remember that part in the film, but uh, it struck me as like, well, that just seems lazy writing and 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 doesn't feel bound to this film whatsoever. There was no whimsical writing. There was no great funny moments. Um, I, I mean, the, the, the stuff of nightmares is that, that that mouse king that that all the mice come together into this big one bodied. Mouse, it's just quite scary, and pretty horrible. Is that a family centric notion to have in a Disney film like this? It's quite. I found. I thought it was quite scary for children. That part, that that element. Like, I mean, taking a a three or four year old to go and see the Nutcracker, that's quite scary. I, I I don't agree with
1: the with it being scary. I just think that scene where this basically all these mice come together and they move around so fast they make one big mouse. It's just a bit horrible. It wasn't nice Um, at all. You know, and you're probably right, for small kids it is fairly scary. I mean, I think Craig's hit the nail on the head. He's jumped straight in uh, with criticism, and rightly so. I've got to say, this was a thoroughly disappointing film. Um, When I saw the trailer... Uh, I, I was quite looking forward to this. I thought, here we go. It's a Disney film coming up to Christmas. It's got a great cast, uh, you know, with Keira Knightley, uh, Morgan Freeman, um, uh, you know, but to name a few, Omid Jalili and Jack Whitehall in there as well. So I thought there's going to be a bit of comedy. But the thing was terrible. Um, and, and you know, you go online. This, is, this film has been roasted by critic after critic after critic who have said things far harsher than I'm going to say. But the plot is poor. Uh, It lacks focus, it lacks direction, it feels half-baked. It's sort of this bizarre concoction of, you know, strange ideas and imagery. The only good thing about the the film is that it is visually, you know, pleasing. Visually, it's stunning. There's a scene where there's there's the castle and it's got this waterfall around it and there's some nice panoramic shots and, you know, visually it's quite impressive. But that's all we get. The plot is bad the film moves at a horrifically slow pace to the point where this is one of the first films well the only film since doing this podcast where I've nearly fallen asleep I had to leave the cinema to put water on my face because it was horrifically slow Um, and then characters that you just can't like I mean the father I know he was supposed to be upset because he'd lost his wife but he was just so miserable that you had you felt sorry for him whereas you wanted to love him not feel sorry for him um the the lead actress um was okay Mackenzie foy i don't think she was anything special uh the the uh, the the new british actor who was in it uh whose name escapes me but we will look that up um jaden fornight uh he's basically this is his first film i thought he was very wooden um and the whole film to me, felt like it was cre- created in a science laboratory. Um, this is what I said to you earlier. Yeah. It's like a load of scientists got together. Go, oh, I know what we're going to do. Well, what we need to make the perfect Disney film is this formula and this formula, and we'll do this mathematical equation. And in their laboratory, they wrote down exactly what you need for a Disney film, what cast, we're going to have this, we're going to have that. And they put it all together in an equation and... Uh, And they got the answer, the perfect Disney film, but it had no heart, no soul. Um, You know, it it felt so hollow. You know, you like my food analogies. Mm. So here we go. This was like an Easter egg. In the sense that I always think Easter is a bit of a con because you're getting an egg that's hollow and you're paying all this money fundamentally for nothing. Hmm. and this was the best Easter egg ever. It had a huge box. The box glowed in the dark. The box had whistles and bells, and oh, every, every kid in the world wanted this Easter egg, and then they got it, and they opened all the packaging, and it was mostly cardboard, and then there was loads of plastic, and then you got to the egg, and it was much smaller than you thought, so you're already disappointed. Then you crack the egg open and realise it's hollow and empty, and then the chocolate isn't even that nice yeah that's what this film was like visually it looked like it was going to be perfect at the end you got you got a
0: aldi egg in a m&s box that's what <laughs> you know, this film I think was that is the perfect most perfect analogy you could have ever come up with to or describe a little egg in a in a m&s lux- luxury box it was really
1: disappointing mm. um you know, and the comedy as well. I think Omid Jalili is hilarious. Uh, Jack Whitehall isn't my cup of tea, but I appreciate he's a very good comedian. They were both dire in this. That isn't their fault. The script they had to work with was terrible. The direction they had was terrible. Um, it was a shambles, to be honest.
0: Really disappointing. Completely agree. So, then, David, I'm going to ask you the question the name of the film, which is. <laughs> that's that's, <laughs> that's how, how good it is. Yeah, that's how good it is. The Nutcracker and the Four Realms. Is it worth it? Absolutely not. Um,
1: this is a disaster. This doesn't feel like a Disney film at all. It's it's so off the mark, it's upsetting. That I came out of this upset. You know, the cinema was full, it was full of families. Um and, you know, I'm sure some kids did enjoy it, but there was almost nothing in it for adults, in my opinion, far too slow for children. I would not, I repeat, I would not go and see
0: this in the cinema. It is not worth it. Save your money. Mm. And I, I agree. I, I, my mum really wanted to go and see this. So I thought I So did her. mine. I went I went with my mum. Yeah, yeah. So we went to sep- separate screenings for this. And uh, you said you fell a- nearly fell asleep at one point and had to leave and splash water on your face yeah. and go back in. Do you know what? And I did exactly the same thing, but I didn't leave and go and splash water. I, 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 I was nodding off. And it was probably around about the same time you were nodding off as well. So I think that goes to say say something that we're either very similar mm. or the film um, has a point where it gets so dull and so so boring that, that most people are going to be nodding off.
1: And the strange thing was, is that the, the viewing was so full that I couldn't get tickets next to my mum. So we were in different parts of the cinema. So we couldn't, see each other's reaction all the way through so at the Mm. end of the film I thought oh come on David you know bar humbug maybe you're not in the Christmas spirit yet maybe you're wrong soon as I saw her she was really disappointed with this Mm. Um, and uh, she actually um, sent me a text message which I, I could read out go on then So this is from my wonderful mother who says, Hi guys, I've just been to the Nutcracker with David. I wanted to see this film as I thought it would be magical and take me back to my childhood memories. The four realms which were integral to the plot were imaginatively portrayed and should really have sparked a feeling of awe. Um, Mum says, The scenery and CGI were stunning at times, but in fact the whole film left me feeling hollow. The plot was somewhat formulaic and I didn't really feel any warmth for any of the characters with the, the exception of perhaps the mouse. Um, mum loves mice uh, the last 40 minutes were the most interesting as there was a slightly unexpected turn in the plot which woke me up out of my near slumber perhaps seen through a child's eyes it would be more magical than I found it but overall I was left feeling disappointed as I had high expectations Um, and yeah I think that sums it up you know and my mum is basically a big child she loves kids films she didn't like it so once again folks I reiterate do not see this film. Really, strongly urge people not to.
0: My mom had the, pretty much the same opinion, to be honest. And uh, and mums no, mums, mums do, mums, know. mums are never wrong. And she, she and we both looked at each other at the same scene where the mouse, where the mouse was quite endearing, and uh, and we were both like, oh, that's quite nice. And yeah. that that was about it. Yeah. So you yeah.
1: know, there's a problem with a film if the best thing in it is a CGI rodent. <laughs> we'll,
0: we'll leave it there. Yeah. So that's our <laughs> review of the Nutcracker and the Four Realms. DVDs? is it worth it dvds
1: yes that's right it's now time for us to recommend our dvd of the week or month in this case as we've both been very busy and haven't done a podcast in a while i would like to recommend to you wonderful people sicario 2 soldado it came out on dvd on the 29th of october um we reviewed it on week 15 of Is It Worth It? The Film Review Podcast. So do have a listen to our review on week 15. Um, I thought this was a great film. Um... Fantastic cast uh, of Josh Brolin and Benicio Del Toro. um, Superbly directed. I really enjoyed this film. I thought the pace of it was great. Uh, It it was very violent at times. But I remember in my review, I said the violence was used to good effect. It wasn't in there just for the sake of it. It actually enhanced the plot. Uh, I thought it was a fantastic film. It's one of the best I've seen since doing the podcast. I was... Really blown away by it, and uh, I myself will be purchasing it on DVD, and I recommend you do the same. Sicario 2 Soldado, fantastic. Go and buy it. (coughs) Are you okay? (laughs) Yeah, sorry, my throat went again there.
0: Um, so my film that I'd like to recommend this week is uh, Leave No Trace. Leave No Trace, Leave No Trace. This is starring uh, Thomas and Mackenzie, Ben Foster, um, and it's literally the whole film revolves around these two living in the wilderness. Um, this film it comes out on the 5th of November, if I haven't said that yet. We reviewed it on week 14. Um, so if you do want to hear more about what we thought about the film, um, listen to that episode and you can skip straight to that. It should be a... Um, Chapter marker in there for you to do that. Um, but yeah, it, nonetheless, it was a really, really brilliantly directed film um, and uh, really well worth watching on DVD.
1: DVD, DVD. Is it worth it? DVDs.
0: So thank you very much for listening to week 23 of Is It Worth It? The film review podcast where we go out of our way to try and see all the films in the cinema, even the bad ones, so you don't have to. Um, So it's been a rather fun-packed week. And uh, David, um, you were going to read out an email, weren't you? I was,
1: yeah. So I went to see A Star Is Born with my mum and dad. Uh, My dad uh, listens to the show and said he wanted to email the show gave him the email. It, it failed to send. Uh, so when I was over at their house, um, I actually then gave him the new email. Um, so I was basically, just emailing it to myself, uh, which he has still failed to enter correctly. Therefore, I can't read it out. We'll bring that to you another week. But I can tell you, my dad, who's very difficult to please when it comes to films, um, he loved three bill bo- through a bu- <laughs> He'd loved three billboards outside. Ebbing, Missouri, last year. He loved A Star Is Born this year. He thinks it's most likely going to win Best Picture at the Oscars. uh, And it was really nice to go to the cinema with him. Uh, Like we said at the start of the show, Craig is away in Nepal. Uh, Please do have a look in our uh, description uh, at his website and the amazing work that he's going to be doing over the next couple of weeks. Uh, I personally, on air, like to wish him all the best for the incredible trip that he's about to go on. Uh, Like I said, I'm going to be... on a Spanish island, getting a suntan. We're both going to try and send uh, you guys some tweets while we're away. Um, you know, a little bit of interaction. So, uh, looking forward to that. And then I imagine our next show will be in three, maybe four weeks. So this is almost like a little winter break. We're having a break going away. And then when we come back, we're going to be hitting it with full force. We're going to be in the month of December leading up to the Oscars. Um, and I'm really excited about, uh, about where things are going with the podcast.
0: Yeah, we're going to be missing a few films whilst we're away, but we'll, we'll, we'll try and bring you those reviews when we come back, mm. um, even if we touch upon them ever so slightly. But that'd be things like Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them and, and things like that. So, Wh- yeah.
1: Which, um, I need to see the, the original Fantastic Beasts and I'm really looking forward to the new one. I've got to say, I always talk about trailers, and if they're too long, it often means it's a bad film. The trailer for this is very long, but what I see in this trailer, I do like, and the whole film is more of that than I think it will be a very entertaining uh, film indeed. You know, Johnny Depp's in it as well. There was a lot of controversy actually around that, but... um, also, while we're away, just to mention, if you do see films in the cinema and you want to review them, why not uh, email us or tweet us You know, a sound um, clip, you know, 20, 30 seconds or longer of what you thought of the film, and we would love to put it on the show when we are back. So from myself and from me, we'd like to wish you a very happy November. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we look forward to speaking to you very, very soon.